Wow. So here we are at the last Sunday of an old year, getting ready to move into a new year. This week we're going to have our head of the year conference to see what God is saying about the year ahead and what we're heading into. But today, we're finishing up the old year. Tell your neighbor, I'm ready for a new year. Let's go ahead and get the PowerPoint up. And the message today is finishing the old year well for 5780, breakthrough into a new era or pressing forward into the future. Tell your neighbor the future is ahead. You need to press forward into it. So today is the last Sunday of the Hebrew year 5780. Now at the start of every year we try to look forward prophetically to see what God is saying about the year ahead. We're going to do that this week at our head of the year conference. But at the end of each year it's important to look back and make sure that we stayed in step with the Holy Spirit through the past year. And we are just finishing a very significant year. You know, 2 Chronicles 20.20 said, Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. God is saying if we stay in step with his prophetic revelation, we can prosper in every season. And God speaks prophetically in many ways. The Jews believe one of the ways God speaks prophetically is through the Hebrew calendar. Because in Hebrew, the years are actually written in Hebrew letters, and those letters were originally pictures, and so each letter has a meaning. And I believe the Hebrew letters for the year give us a picture of that year prophetically. You know, our last season was associated with the Hebrew letter ayin. Every year in the last decade was an ayin year. And the letter ayin was originally a picture of an eye. Ayin is the Hebrew word for eye. And so an ayin season was the season of an eye. In an ayin season, God wanted to increase your ability to see. He was saying, look again. You, you thought you understood some things. Look again and you'll see better. He wanted you to see beyond, to see in ways you haven't seen. And in that decade, God wanted to give you clear vision for what you could not see before. But in 5780, God moved us out of an iron season and he broke us in to a new era. The Hebrew letter for this season is pay. Everybody say pay. It looks like this. You just got a free Hebrew lesson. But every year in this decade will be a pay year. What does pay mean? Well, the letter pay means mouth. The original early pictograph of this letter looked like this. It was a, literally a picture of a mouth. Many pay words are related to the mouth. Pay words include word, expression, vocalization, speech, and breath. And so God has moved us from a season to see into a season to speak. 
So this is a season to understand the power of the spoken word. It's a season of prophetic decree. It's a season to understand the power of a spoken blessing, but also a season to take up your authority to break curses. So a pay year is a key year for prayer and intercession. Paga is the word for intercession. It's a pay word. Palau was the word for prayer. It's a pay word. So God is calling you to a new level of prayer and intercession as we move through this pay season. God wants you to know that your intercession can change nations. He's calling you to intercession because the world is in a mess. Some of the pay words give us some direction for how we should pray. You know, pay words include earthquake. God says he wants you to be alert for natural disasters this season. Refugee is a pay word. Refugees are a worldwide crisis and governments don't have an answer, but God says, I want my church to intercede. Revolt and rebellion are pay words. At the start of this year, we said that nations would be in turmoil this year. Pay words include words for stumble, to dash in pieces, to be in perplexity, to break, crush, scatter, to be startled by sudden alarm, to be in fear, destruction, and ruin. Now, knowing the prophetic words that were given last September at our head of the year for this year, it's been interesting to look at the headlines since then. Last September, we said, God says, be on guard for earthquakes. And so here were some of the headlines in the months after that. Four large quakes in two months. Jolt southern Philippines, Yellowstone volcano, 107 earthquakes, warning sign of eruption. A swarm of 1,000 earthquakes hit southern California. A ring of fire latest are 60,000 earthquakes, a sign of a big one brewing in the Pacific. And then in the Azores, full seismic crisis was announced. Experts are concerned about a sudden increase of earthquakes. Then God said, pray about the refugee crisis. So here, here were some of the headlines that came. The UN urged to reboot refugee response as millions are uprooted. Venezuela re ref refugee crisis to surpass Syria, the largest in modern history. Members uh, uh, and refugees fleeing political violence. Numbers are at the highest level since World War II, over 70 million displaced. So experts are alarmed by the increase of refugees. God already said, be praying about that. Then God said, nations will be in turmoil. We've seen that all year. Tens of thousands take to the streets as Latin America protests spread to Colombia. Violence spreads to Bolivia. Venezuela uh, plunges nation into turmoil. Uh, then there was an article, civil unrest in Syria, Bolivia, Sudan, Iran, Chile, Ecuador, Lebanon, Venezuela, Hong Kong, and Catalonia. And now we're having violent protests hitting cities all over America. See, we're living in some distressing times, but if you're walking in God's prophetic revelation, you have the jump on the devil. Because God already told you to be praying about these things before they became issues. 
And that's why it's important this year to move from iron to pay. It's not enough just to see. It's time to decree. It's time to move from vision to kingdom authority. It's time to speak God's prophetic decrees into the atmosphere. It's time to change world events through prayer and intercession. Now, probably the most important word God gave us about 5780, though, was that as we moved into 5780, we are entering a new era. And, you know, that is exactly what we've seen this year. Everything has changed. There's a phrase you hear in the media, the new normal. And what that means simply is this, you can't go back. Don't think that six months from now, things will be just like they used to be. Now, most of us don't like to hear that. But what we can know is this. All of these changes, in every one of them, God is in control. God has a plan, and he's working all things together for your good. And I believe as we walk with him, we will see revival. I believe we're on the verge of what could be the greatest revival in all of history. See, this is a season of Holy Spirit. Pay words include words to blow or to puff, and especially it's used for kindling a fire. So let the Holy Spirit kindle fresh fire in you this year. Receive his fire. Pay words also include the words for a miracle or a wondrous thing. So this is a season for signs and wonders and miracles. Pay words include words for visitation, to visit. Expect visitations of Holy Spirit this year. And so we've entered in to a new era. Many things are changing, and that's even true at Glory of Zion. Have you noticed? I mean, you look around in the tabernacle here, and it's like, whoa. This looks different. I like it. You go through the rest of the building, a lot of the building is still going through stages of construction. Now, sometimes we don't like things to change. We say, well, we were comfortable the way they were before. But see, we have not yet arrived at our destiny. We are not yet all that God has called us to be. And that means we still need to change. Now, the most important thing to remember when God is transitioning you into a new era is this. Don't go back. You know, some people come here to the Global Sphere Center or they watch us on the webcast and we'll ha have people say things like this. Uh, you know, this is so different from church as usual. It has so much life. How in the world did you get to be like this? And the answer to that is from the very beginning, our highest value was to allow Holy Spirit to be in control, even if that meant him taking us through some hard transitions. And let me tell you, God has taken us through some hard transitions. And at every transition, we had to leave behind some things, and we had to learn the new things that God wanted to teach us. And yet God has always been faithful. Now this morning, to help you see the process of entering into a new era, 
Chuck asked me to share some of the changes, some of the transitions that God has brought us through. And so I'm calling this the battle to move forward or what we left behind and what we gained. You know, if you look at the, for the origins of glory of Zion, it goes the whole way back to the 1970s with a Jesus movement home Bible study. In 1972, when Linda and I moved to Dallas, Linda worked in an office where she met a young woman named Lyndon. And over the course of time, she led Lyndon to the Lord. But then Lyndon moved up to Denton, and she couldn't find a church that she liked. She was a brand new Christian without a church. And so to help Lyndon get grounded in the Lord, we offered to teach a Bible study for her. And we met in a big old house on the corner of Oak and uh, Fry Street. The house had, yes, some of you know about that place. Uh, the house had been divided into apartments, and Lyndon lived in a small apartment around the back. And Lyndon invited her friend Bonnie, and we met together to study the Bible. The study moved around several times, different houses, but it was still very much of a Jesus movement kind of a thing. Most of the people that came initially were hippies. Some of them were a little bit strange. You know, for a few months, we actually had a guy that was an astrologer that came. But I think he was stoned most of the time he was there. He would say strange things. But over time, we had started getting some more traditional people. You know, people that had jobs. People that were married to each other. People that had children. And so needing more space, the study moved to a house in Northeast Denton. It was owned by a physics professor at the university. And once a week, Linda and I would drive up from Dallas to teach. And several times we said, you know, this has gone on long enough. We need to end this study. It's taken a lot of time. But God always stopped us. He wouldn't let us stop. And then there was another shift. Because the time came, people started to say, you know, I'm really thinking about this as my church. Now, we had never intended to plant a church. But if people were seeing it as a church, I thought, well, we should at least know what a church is supposed to be. And so we did a seven-week study on the New Testament church. And when we finished the study, we looked at each other and we said, well, we can't plant a church because God already has. Biblically, this is a church. We just need to acknowledge that. And so we became a Jesus movement house church. The church had its first meetings in this house. Our vision was revival and restoration, you know, because we were in the Jesus movement. We wanted more revival. We had good fellowship. We had a good sense of community. Our worship was Jesus movement praise choruses led on a guitar, but there was a big emphasis on Bible teaching, but we also had 1 Corinthians 14 meetings where people could exercise their spiritual gifts. There was only one problem. We had some bad theology. Because coming out of Dallas Seminary, we were pretty much against anything the Holy Spirit wanted to do. And so while we wanted people to be free to exercise their gifts, about the only gift that we allowed was teaching. 
And there was some worse theology than that because only the men were allowed to teach. Oh, Lord help us. By the 1980s, we had outgrown homes and we rented an old Assemblies of God church building on the north side of Denton. Now that was a major transition. We knew we were in a new era. Moving from a house church to a church building meant we left a lot of things behind. We lost a lot of the feeling of community. We got hymnals. Hymns were played with the, on the piano replacing the Jesus Movement praise choruses. We did away with the 1 Corinthians 14 meetings for exercising gifts, and we became a traditional Bible church, which meant our typical Sunday morning is we sang two hymns, we had some announcements, and then we had some teaching. Now what we gained was room to grow. Because a house church is wonderful, but God had something more in mind for us than that because we never could have become an apostolic center without growing beyond a living room. And God had another surprise for us in that building. I think when the Assemblies of God congregation moved out, the Holy Spirit stayed. And in 1983, the Holy Spirit invaded, and Linda and I were baptized in the Holy Spirit literally overnight without seeking it or asking for it or not even being quite sure what it was, and both of us ended up speaking in tongues. Now, as a Bible church, I, I taught against speaking in tongues for years, and I think I had convinced a lot of people in the church that that wasn't for today. And so when we started speaking in tongues, we expected that the elders, when they found out, I'd be fired, which is what usually happens in a Bible church when the pastor speaks in tongues. But instead, all of the elders and deacons left the church, and I was still there. Most of the other people left too. We went from about 125 down to about 40 in one week. We thought the church was destroyed. But God had other plans for us. We began a five-year transition into the things of Holy Spirit. We became what Peter Wagner called a third-wave church. That's an evangelical church that's open to gifts like healing and prophecy and tongues. And we found out that was something God was doing in that time period. There were third wave churches springing up all over the place. And so at that building, we left behind a Dallas Seminary Bible Church mentality that rejected the Holy Spirit. Now, not everyone could make the transition. We lost our elders, we lost our deacons, we lost over half the church members, we lost a lot of very close friends. But it was a transition God had for us. I never wanted to go back. But we lost some things, but we gained some very important things in that place. First of all, John Dixon came and reintroduced praise music. Whoa! We started home groups where people could learn to exercise spiritual gifts. We'd pray for healing and things like that. And then probably the most important thing in the church's history, Chuck and Pam Pierce started to come. Chuck came on staff 
and began to teach us about prophecy and intercession. And with all that going on, we quickly outgrew that building and moved to the gymnasium at Liberty Christian School. That was another big transition. Some people didn't like it. Some people stopped coming when we moved there. It meant leaving the convenience of having our own place. We had to set everything up and take everything down every week. It meant we only had the use of a building for a very limited time. And the place had a very different feel. It felt like a gymnasium. <laughs> but it was the next place God had for us. It gave us room to expand. And in that gymnasium, we experienced a powerful visitation of Holy Spirit. The year was 1994, an incredible revival was sweeping through Argentina. Cindy Jacobs had just come back from Argentina, and she came here to speak one evening. She had the revival on her. And when she gave the invitation, the power of the Holy Spirit fell. It was revival anointing. It was divine visitation. When she gave the invitation, Everybody wanted to rush forward. I think I was the second one, but I don't think I ever made it as far as Cindy because partway up, the Holy Spirit hit me and I ended up on the floor. <laughs> Linda never even got to stand up. She just slid out of her chair onto the floor. John Dixon was up on the stage. He ended up rolling under the piano. <laughs> By the end of the meeting, I think just about everybody there was on the floor. Now you need to realize, even though we were flowing in the Holy Spirit, probably in the history of our church, maybe three people total had been slain in the Spirit. It had been an unusual thing. But this started, it continued for weeks. Every time we got together, God's presence would come. People would end up on the floor. But not only that, there are incredible healings and miracles, deliverance. There's overflowing joy, the presence of God. It was exciting. M many of us loved it. It's like, wow, this is what we've been praying for. We want revival. We want Holy Spirit. We want the power of God. And I assumed everybody in the church would feel the same way. But what I found was some people hated it. Because religious spirits rose up in opposition. There was one guy, every, I think three or four Sundays in a row, we'd get there on Sunday morning, and he would walk up to me and say, well, that was sure interesting last Sunday. I'm glad it's over. And the longer it went on, the more opposition there was until there was so much opposition that the Holy Spirit was quenched. And we ended, entered a season of death because Holy Spirit had been grieved and he left the building. And for a season, there was no anointing. There was no life. So I went into intercession for six months. I went out every day to a park north of Denton and spent hours walking and praying and crying out to God. And one time, day near the end of that time, I got to the park to walk and pray, but a storm had come up and it began to rain very hard. And I was prompted to take an umbrella and walk out to the end of the fishing pier 
in the storm and rain. The wind was blowing hard, and as I looked across the lake, I saw one of the most incredible things I have ever seen. Because the wind was blowing up huge plumes of mist, and they stood like columns 30 to 40 feet high. And the wind was driving them right toward me. Row after row, line after line, like an army of mighty angels advancing across the lake. It was awesome, but it was a little bit frightening. It was a picture of sheer, unstoppable power. And God spoke to me and said this, that last move of the Spirit was gentle. It was easily quenched. But there is another move coming. And it will be a move of great power, and nothing in the world can stop it. And shortly after that, the life of God gradually returned to the church. And so in the mid-1990s, we transitioned again. We moved to a facility up on University Drive. It used to be a pet store. When we first went in, I remember when Keith and Lee were ripping out the old carpet. There was such a fragrance. <laughs> But there was another major change, probably the most significant change in our history. We came under apostolic alignment. Chuck became our apostle. See, we knew biblically that a church needed to have an apostolic foundation, but when we started the church, we didn't believe in apostles, so we just built our own foundation. But we had gotten to know Chuck. He was on staff, but he also had freedom to go out and minister other places. And we saw that he was developed an apostolic relationship with a number of churches. We realized he is a true apostle. And so we went, the, the elders went to Chuck and we, we said, uh, Chuck, we recognize you're an apostle. We want to be on an apostolic foundation. We want to be biblical. Would you be our apostle? And he said, oh, no. He said, that would be a major change. You already have your own ways of doing things. That would be a hard transition. So the elders went back and we talked some more. About six months later, we went to Chuck again. And we said, Chuck, we really want to be on an apostolic foundation. We recognize you as an apostle. Would you be our apostle? And again, he said, oh, no, that would be a hard transition. You already have your own ways of doing things. So we waited a few more months, and the elders were sitting around. Where's John Taylor? Is John Taylor here this morning? John, wave your hand. There you are. John Taylor made one of the most significant statements in the history of the church. We were sitting around saying, how can we get Chuck to be our apostle? And Chuck said, uh, John said, well, why don't we just go to Chuck and say, we all quit. The church is yours. And that sounded like a wonderful idea to all of us. And that's how Chuck became our apostle. <laughs> and what happened was uh, when we came on that apostolic foundation, the anointing level of everything we did just skyrocketed. It's like that scene in Star Wars where they go into hyperspace. And they're sitting and they're seeing the stars and all of a sudden it's like, whoosh. That's what it felt like. 
In that, church, in that building, we began celebrating the feast. Chuck came to me and said, God says we need to celebrate three biblical feasts this year. And I thought, well, you know, I think the Bible does talk about some feasts. <laughs> I'd never studied them. I thought that was just for Jews. And so we started, we celebrated three feasts. And with every one, we'd celebrate it. And people would come up afterward and say, that was wonderful. Why haven't we done that before? Another thing that happened, the prophetic was established in that building. We had some of the wildest prophetic conferences I have ever been to. It was incredible. But there was continued division in the church. Because the Holy Spirit kept trying to move, but every time he did, there was a wave of opposition that killed it. And what I realized is some people just don't want the Holy Spirit. And so there was a tension. There was a division. Those that were hungry for more of the Holy Spirit and those that hated the Holy Spirit and didn't want him around. And then one Sunday, a prophet from California, Candy McAlpine, visited Glory of Zion. She wasn't the speaker. She just was in the audience. But she, she got up and gave a word. She said, today, God has brought you to the threshing floor. And the wind of the Spirit will blow away the chaff so the third day church can arise. We heard that. We thought, oh, wow, that sounds like fun. We're on a threshing floor. And there was some, a sheaf of wheat in one of the decorations. We pulled this wheat out, put it across the altar area, and people were dancing on it. We're threshing. God brought us to the threshing floor. What fun. And then we found out what that really meant. Because that week we had a church split. An assistant pastor who opposed the moves of the Spirit decided to start his own church. He told me he wanted a church where he could bring his grandmother and not have to fear that somebody might speak in tongues. And this was a distressing time. He went to just about everybody in the church to try to talk him into leaving. And about a third of the church left. We weren't really sure the church would even survive. But then we noticed something. As time went by, what we realized was this. Every one of those who had opposed the moves of the Spirit had left. The wind of the Spirit had blown away the chaff so the third day church could arise and we were left with a church full of people who were hungry for God. Then in the early 2000s, we had another shift moved into a new era. The facility was in Woodhill Square in Denton. And there were some major changes God brought. First of all, Chuck moved us from being a pastoral church to being five-fold ministry. That was one of the happiest days of my life. <laughs> now, we were, still, we were still recuperating from the church split. And Chuck came in one day and said, from now on, we're only going to do what we're gifted to do. And he looked right at me and said, Robert, stop trying to be a pastor. You're not a pastor. You're a teacher. I was so happy. 
But I said, but Chuck, if I don't pastor the church, who will? And Chuck said, if you will do what God called you to do, God can raise up other people to pastor it. Which is what he did. Another thing, it, we took equipping the saints to a whole new level and started the Issachar School. We still have all of those in DVDs if any of you uh, need to get equipped more. And then another very significant thing happened there. God told Chuck, gather my scattered sheep. Because Chuck goes all over the country, all over the world speaking. And every place he went, people would say, Chuck, I don't have a church to go to. Everything here is dead. Everything here is just ritual and tradition. I don't have a place to go. And so God said, gather my scattered sheep. And Chuck said, we're going to do church on the internet. We're going to put everything we do on the web for free. And anyone anywhere who cannot find a church can find one here. Let me tell you, he got more flack for that than probably anything else we've ever done. I mean, some mentioned him by name, and people were saying, you can't have church on the internet. And of course, this year, that was the only way most churches could have church. <laughs> but we stayed at Woodhill Square almost 12 years. We began with a sanctuary and some small offices, and we just expanded, taking up more and more of the complex till we had 90,000 square feet. Through the webcast, we expanded to include thousands of members on every continent. I mean, some weeks we have like 40,000 people joining us on the web. I, real, I started to realize uh, I was ministering in Hong Kong and a little Chinese woman came up to me and she said, I go to your church. Got off the plane in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia, and there was a whole crowd, and they started cheering when we came off. They said, we go to your church. <laughs> and then there's a whole network of house churches. That, 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 uh, that's, we're a resource center for them. We help them. We don't try to control them, but we pr can provide what they need. And then, but then God said this. He said, it's time to change again. And this time the change meant leaving Denton and establishing the Global Sphere Center in Corinth. Now this location was not chosen randomly. Back in 2004, Cindy Jacobs had given us an incredible prophetic word. She said, driving in last night, I saw a sign that said Corinth. And the Lord spoke and said, there is a Greek spirit in Corinth, but you are called to overthrow that spirit. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord would say to you, go to Corinth. Take the book of, of Corinthians. I'm going to release order into the church. This is a prophetic move where I am moving to establish you. I will loosen anointing of compassion and mercy. I will shift from 1 Corinthians 13 to the prophetic admonition of 1 Corinthians 14. And so I will loose the school of the prophets from that place. I will even release apostles and prophets and they will be trained separately and together. For the Lord says there has been no mixing of those two gifts in training and equipping. So you will train and equip and mix those two gifts. She said, I will give you property and you will build. 
You will create a beautiful place. It will be a city set on a hill. I will release from that place the anointing to break confusion and bring the gifts into order. There'll be a loosing of the gifts from that house. I will comfort my people from that place. I will break perplexity. There are many of you who have been through many things, but God says, if you will connect yourself to the right vision and in the right place, I am ready to bring forth a new way that you cannot imagine. I am ready to birth that thing. Many of you have been wandering in the wilderness, but this is the day of crossing the Jordan. Yes, there are giants in the land. I'll give you the anointing to overthrow homosexuality. From Corinth, there will be an anointing. This is an incredible prophetic word. She just got up and it kept going. From Corinth, there's going to be an anointing that will go to the whole nation. For I, I will raise up justice in that place. I am a just God. I am a judge. I am a lawgiver. I will loose my law-giving law anointing from that house. And God says to you that you will not only prepare a beautiful sanctuary, but there'll be plenty of room for children. I will lose a mighty children's revival that will come and influence the schools of this area. Look at the high schools of this land. I'm going to come with a revolutionary anointing that will break into that which seems to be old wine. There is a new wine anointing being poured out this day. There is a change. There is a turning in the heavens. I'm going to release the anointing of wealth, says the Lord. I'm going to release a river of finance. First, I'll release it into the property in the building. Don't think I'm a cheap God. I like beautiful things. I have great taste. I'm going to loose you into wealth. There'll be a new understanding of the power to get wealth. And God says, you will build it and I'm going to pay the bills. It's absolutely no problem to me, says God. I'm going to bring the measure of faith in the house that you need to do the building. And God says to you, I want you to build the pattern made on Mount Zion. I'm going to give you the pattern that is made upon the mountains. So the Lord says, prepare, get ready, get ready for the move. God, get ready for the move into your new place. Get ready to move across the Jordan. The Lord says you, you will take Jericho first, which is the property. And once you take Jericho, the giants will fall. I mean, we heard her say that and we're just like breathless. Like, how do we? So we, we got, all got in our cars and we drove down to Corinth to see what our place would be. And we couldn't see a thing. We're looking for land. We're looking for a building that looked like it would be a likely church building. Didn't see a thing. The only thing we saw was this old abandoned Boeing aircraft factory. And it was so huge, we thought, well, that obviously could not be it. <laughs> so Cindy came back the next year and she scolded us. She said, why aren't you moving to Corinth? God has a place for you in Corinth. So we got in our cars and we drove down to Corinth and again we didn't see anything. The only building of any size was that big old Boeing aircraft plant which was obviously much bigger than we could do. But God finally got us to Corinth. And nine years ago we moved into the old Boeing aircraft factory and it became the Global Sphere Center.
But I will tell you, moving into this building was the most difficult thing we have ever done. It stretched us beyond what we thought we could do. But we knew it was God. We finally had a place that could hold revival. And now nine years later, in the midst of a world in chaos, God has shifted us again. And we're again in a new era. See, God has brought us through many new eras. In the 70s, we went from being a home Bible study with four people to being a Jesus Movement house church. In the 80s, we went from being a Dallas Seminary Bible church to being a third wave charismatic church. In the 90s, we gained an apostolic foundation and embraced our Jewish roots. In the 2000s, we went from a pastoral church to five-fold ministry. We began to webcast. In the 2010s, we became an apostolic center, a resource center for many, many churches and house churches. But God isn't finished with us yet. Because we have not yet fulfilled our destiny. We have not yet arrived at our destination. And so in this decade, we are again in a new era. And everything looks different. But see, that's how God works in all of our lives. See, you have a destiny. You have a call from God on your life. And as you walk with God through the transitions of life, God will be at work to bring it to pass. But when you pass through those transitions, when you pass through those times of change, the most important thing you can remember is this. Keep moving forward and don't back up. Tell your neighbor, don't back up. Don't back up. If you keep moving forward, you will win. And so welcome the new era God is bringing us into. It's time to press forward into your future. Hallelujah. Shout to the Lord. (laughs) How many of you had ever heard sort of the history of how we got here just lift your just to, some of you've lived through it i'm surprised i've lived through it we want to announce that this is the beginning of the next move of god You know, God made us to be incredible individuals, but he also made us to be corporate in our, the way we move together and the way we connect. Tell somebody you're ready to just get linked up and move again. Now, Pamela Cohen texted me during this and said she had something she wanted to share. 
Well, the first thing that comes to my mind to share is don't y'all be fussing at me about <laughs> not giving God the glory because I'm giving God the glory. And what I want to say is Chuck Pierce, Linda, Robert, there's so many of you that started all of this. And it's been on my heart, Chuck, since Rick and I became really involved and we saw the sacrifice. We, we thought we saw the sacrifice. But it started with two people being obedient and trusting and being scared and yet being brave and just taking baby steps. And there's so many times that I've wanted to come and say thank you and to know the people who began all this because you know what folks, all of y'all here and all of the y'all that are gonna be coming here and watch us every Sunday morning, it's because of those people that we have what we have here. We wouldn't have this. We wouldn't have any of this if it weren't for a small group of people being obedient, trusting God, not knowing what they could do within themselves, but trusting the God that was in them to do it through them. And I don't even know how to say it, Chuck, other than just to look you in the face and Robert and Linda and Anita and Mary Ellen and, and I shouldn't name names because I don't know, but to say thank you. Because of you and the Lord, we have what we have here today. <laughs> wow. Whew. Goodness. Robert, you and Linda, come stand up here with me. John, you and Violet. Uh, John Taylor, you and Emily, if you're still back there. You know, it's been amazing in this church since we moved to the red uh, building, four of the five elders are still here. God gathered a foundation. He gathered a group. And He gathered us so He could gather you. And then He brought each one of you in to stand and to find your place. And our our heart is that you find your place for the future. I try to recognize your gifts. I try to make sure you're all used. None of us want to do anything that we're not supposed to do. And that's serious because that's what Uzziah did. He was a good king, but he got over in a place he wasn't supposed to be. We don't want to do that. We want you to do what God has asked you to do. So let me pray that for all of you on the web. We want this center here to continue to transform. We want you to be free to come and go as God tells you. There are times when you need to be here. There are times when you just need the revelation that's coming from here. And so I want to release you. Again, my gift that God has given me is really giving. Most people think I'm apostolic, I'm prophetic, and I, I am all those things. But He gave, so He unlocked that in me when I was 18, and it's just an honor to be able to give on behalf of each one of you to make sure that you come into your redemptive purpose. He created you for a reason. Father, we stand here and we release everyone
throughout the whole world now that is connected here. Lord, we thank you for Cindy's word. We thank you for sending us leaders at the right time. We thank you for angels coming. Father, we thank you for every person that you have sent to stand on this foundation at the right time to be used by you. And Father, I ask that you honor and bless this body of people. I ask that you bless them coming. I ask that you bless them going. And I say, Father, the small work that you have done during our generations, we ask that it, goes, that it go for a thousand generations. Father, we loose this. And Father, again, we say what we know we need to say. We've only begun. We will follow you. Everybody say it's time to follow. Bless you. We will see you this week. It's a wild week ahead. Go visit the uh, center back there if you want to be a part of what we're doing. Remember, the next 12 days is very key, are very key. Bless you.